Cause sometimes I be right Hey Welcome to the show And what a show it's gonna be I'd like to welcome you all back For you first time listeners, welcome Thanks for joining me This is Sometimes I Be Right I am your host John Farris As always, reporting live from Trash Can Studio Joined by my co-host Wally Say what's up Wally We got a good show today We're gonna get right into it man We need to We need to give a, a round of applause To Tyron Woodley He finally got the I Love Jake Paul tattoo Clap it up for him, y'all. Clap it up for T. Wood looking like a doofus. Look, man, this one, this one bothers me. This one's annoying. Right? We got to talk about it. Right? It flooded my timeline. It flooded my, my Google homepage. So I guess... Oh, God. this. See, the weird thing is, is there's two reasons for this. Either one, you're a fan of Tyron Woodley and you think that he did the right thing. They made the bet before the fight. They said who what the loser gets the I love the winner's name tattooed on their body somewhere. They shook on it, bet, be a man of your word, you lost, whatever. I lost, I'll get the tattoo, I'll honor the bet. That's one way of looking at it. And if you're a fan of T. Wood, you're probably looking at it that way. If you're not, you're looking at it like after the fight, you ran over saying, I want the rematch, I want the rematch. He said, get the tattoo, I'll give you the rematch. You said, bet. You started calling for the paperwork. Paperwork never came. Jake Paul putting out some videos like, oh, he dragged his feet. He drugged, sorry. Drug his feet. Getting the tattoo, so he ain't getting no rematch. Then you run out and get the tattoo. Looks like you looks like you begging for the rematch. Now you look like a doofus. Because again, I don't know about y'all, but me, I don't care. I don't care if he got the tattoo or not. If you want to go with some old school man integrity, stand by your word, do what you say you're going to do type of philosophy, then yeah, you got to get that tattoo. You said you was going to do it. But this is sports, baby. You make them stupid little bets beforehand. It don't mean nothing. It's just like, it's just like if you come out and a boxer says, oh, I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to knock this guy out. Wait, you wait to see. December 5th, he's going to sleep. I'm knocking him out. If you get in a fight and you don't knock him out and you come out of it, nobody going to look at you like, oh, I thought she was going to knock him out. I thought she was going to knock him out. We don't care. We watched the fight. It was, either it was entertaining or it wasn't. So if you win the fight and you don't get the knockout, we're not, you know, how stupid would I look if I was to to get on here and be like, oh, he said he was going to get a knockout, though, but he didn't. We don't care, man. We know you were just talking before the fight. No fighter is going to come out and say, I hope I win. <laughs> So we know you talking. So you make that little bet before the fight. We don't care. The fight's over. We already passed it. So for you to keep coming up and bringing it back into people's faces, I understand you're trying to drum up interest, but you just making yourself look desperate. You're making yourself look like you, you're you going to do whatever for, for the fight. And I, as a competitor, believe in my heart 100% he doesn't want the fight for the money. He's not, he's not begging for the fight for the money. In my heart, I believe he's begging for the fight because he knows he only lost the fight because he wasn't active enough. And that's eating him up every single day. Eating him up. If I had thrown one extra right, 
if I had thrown one extra left? Because I promise you, in that fight, there were moments where he probably thought, yo, throw it. And he didn't. And he hesitated. And the moment was passing and he had to move on to the next. And so he's sitting there every single day and it's stewing. Every time he sees Jake Paul, every time he hears Jake Paul, he's thinking, oh, I had him. I had him. Had I been just a little bit more aggressive, my whole life would be different. Because if Tyron Willie wins that fight, the whole conversation now is, who does he fight next? What money fight is he getting next? But instead, we still, still talking about this Jake Paul kid. And that eats him up, and that's why he wants to fight. That's why he's getting a tattoo. That's why he's still sending shots every chance he gets, because he's hoping that Showtime will see, oh, he's still, there's still interest in this. This rematch could be interesting. He's like, hey, don't forget about me, Showtime. I could, I could, we go, we can do big pay-per-view numbers. We could do even bigger for the rematch. I'm going to talk even more trash. I'm going to talk even more crazy. And, and better than that, people have seen me knock this guy through the ropes. So they know. They know what I can do. Now, imagine if I come in there with total disregard for him and total disrespect for his power. I'm, I ain't worried about none of that. I'm going to knock him out. Give me the rematch. But you got to remember, Jake Paul fans are not really fans of boxing. They're not really fans of they just, they're Jake Paul fans. So they think he's a god. They think he's king. They support him. So you just come across looking desperate. So he don't have to do much. He said what he said. About how the wire came in. Accountant told him how much he had to pay in taxes. He went and got the tattoo. That's a, that's a clever little, it's <laughs> a clever little breakdown. Because yeah, if I don't know any better, yeah, it looks like. You want more money. It looks like you want another big payday. But I think it's just the competitor in him saying, I got to live the rest of my life knowing I lost this fight. And I only lost it, not because he was better than me, but because I wasn't active enough. But in two years, when somebody looks back at Jake Paul's record, they're going to see Tyron Woodley. And they're going to see the W for Jake Paul there. And they're not going to have seen the fight to know or... Even if they did see, they're not going to remember the context of, oh, yeah, but he was terrible. But they're just going to see the W, and that's it. Because I can promise you, when people look at Floyd Mayweather's 50 and 0 record, they don't, some people don't even know that he fought Conor McGregor to get the 50 and 0. Some people don't know who he fought or when he fought them or what the circumstances was. They just know he's got 50 wins, no losses. So I think that's why he got the tattoo. And I kind of, a part of me feels bad for him, man. I know what that's like when you're just sitting there wishing like, oh, man, I wish I could go back and just have that moment and just tweak one thing, make one thing different. Man, what a, what a, oof. That's got to burn, man. That's got to burn. <laughs> that's eating him up every day. Could you imagine? Man, as a competitor, I don't know. I don't know. But it looks bad. It looks bad. I'll admit, it looks bad. It looks desperate, and that's not the that's not the impression you want to give off, man. So remember, switching gears a little bit, remember in the beginning of the year when the sports media, when the fan base of Chicago, remember when everyone was saying how stupid the Bears were for not starting Justin Fields. Andy Dalton, 
You're going to start Andy, start Justin Fields. Everyone wanted Justin Fields. Justin Fields is better. Justin Fields is the guy. Rip off the band-aid. Put him in there. Put him in there. Well, they they put him in there because they had to. They didn't want to, but they had to. And guess what? He was awful. 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 He was garbage. Now, listen. I love Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields should have been a number one pick. I think Justin Fields is better and will be better than Trevor Lawrence. That's my opinion. I love Justin Fields. Right? And no, it's not just because he went to Ohio State. Because he was in the show QB1, where they kind of followed top recruits in their senior season, and I fell in love with his demeanor, with his attitude. He always seemed real cool, calm, collected, like, yeah, whatever. He always felt like he knew he was really good, but he wasn't athletically arrogant. We'll get into that a little more later. Athletic arrogance. That's that's definitely something I want to dive into. So I just liked his demeanor. And then when I saw him go to Georgia, you know, he would come in in some spot duty, coming in some games. And I saw him and I was like, oh, he got it. The arm is there. He's got the legs to move around. He got it. He's going to be nice. And then just... By stroke of luck, he transferred to Ohio State. Oh my God, this guy. I like this guy. This is going to be great. I wonder what now I get to watch full games. I get to to follow it through the week to see what the chatter is, see what the coaches think. You get like a little inside information. And he didn't disappoint. So I love Justin Fields. And I don't think this game says anything about his ability going forward. But I think what it is, it's a reminder Hey, we're not coaches. Hey, we don't watch practices. We're not in the film rooms. Sometimes you have to trust the coach. And sometimes what someone does in college doesn't mean that's what they're immediately going to do in the pros. Because there's levels. And right now, Justin Fields is not on the level of Andy Dalton. Surprise, guys. I know. I know. You don't want to acknowledge that Andy Dalton is a solid quarterback option. And right now, he's the better option for the Bears over Justin Fields. Part of it is because what's surrounding him on offense, little weak. And if you've never been in the NFL dealing with NFL rushers with a weak offensive line and knowing how to get the ball out quick and knowing how to read the defense in a split second, uh, you you probably don't want to be back there. It's probably not the safest place for you. You're going to look bad, which might mess with your confidence or cause you to feel like you need to overcompensate and do too much, which is going to lead to mistakes, which is then it's going to make you look bad. And that's what happened. He just looked bad. It wasn't his fault. Right? It's his first, his first start. Throwing right in there. Hey, here's the wolves. Fend for yourself. It was like it was like in that movie, uh, what was that movie? The Grey with Liam Neeson when the wolves was coming to attack me, had them little broken mini bottles taped to his knuckles. Like <laughs> He wasn't gonna make it, y'all. <laughs> them little shards of glass wasn't gonna do nothing. He was gone. They was gonna eat him and enjoy it. So that's what Justin Fields was like. 
He was he was facing the wolves with that them little broken bottles, them little mini bottles taped to his knuckles. He ain't have no chance. So he looked terrible. And now all those people that scream for Justin Fields, Justin Fields, oh, Nagy doesn't know what he's doing. Get him out of here. He's a bum. Now the conversation shifts to, oh, maybe it was. Hey, hey maybe it's not all the quarterbacks there. Oh, maybe the coach is bad. Like, no, guys, come on, man. Oh, we need to apologize to Mitch Trubisky. Maybe he wasn't the problem. That No, that's the problem is that y'all keep one quarterback does bad. The next quarterback does bad. must be the coach. Like, or this is a rookie making his first start in the NFL. Everybody knows NFL coaches love going against rookie quarterbacks. Oh, we, I, they haven't seen this. Give him some extra blitz to see what he does. That's what happened. They went after him. They went after him. They said, listen, this offensive line is weak. That's a rookie quarterback. Let's get after him. And that's what they did. And they made him look terrible. Now, listen, he's going to go back in the film room. They're going to watch it. They're going to figure some things out. They're going to be like, hey, listen, we're going to help you out in this way. You know, shift some coverage, like some protections, maybe some quick routes, some screen. Like they're going to they're going to work with him. And it's going to work. Trust me. Trust me. A year from now, we're not going to be thinking about this game. But for right now, what I'm just saying is. This is why sometimes you need to trust the coaches. Right? You guys ran Mitchell Trubisky out of town. You tried to run Andy Dalton out of town before he even started. Like, before he even got there. And now you got what you wanted, and that's what it looks like. So now you can't complain. You just got to go through the growing pains now. Because, again, much like, you know, my Ohio State issue, if you keep saying, hey, next, bring in the next guy. And the next guy does bad. It's like, ah, bring in the next one. Like, at some point, you're going to run out of guys. You can't just keep replacing everybody because of a bad game. So what's next? You fans need to shut up. Bears fans need to shut up. You got what you wanted. It didn't look the way you thought. You thought he was going to come in and be a world beater and be, oh, my God, he's great, this, 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 and this. Listen, man, it takes time. And sometimes these coaches know this guy is not ready. We don't have... The, the structure in place to best serve him. So he's going to look bad. And then I'm going to lose my job. And then the next coach is going to come in and benefit. I'm not doing that. No. No. Put in Andy Dalton. Let him go through the lumps or whatever. He knows how to navigate. Because, look, I've defended Andy Dalton, right? I'm a Cowboys fan. So when, last year when Dak Prescott went down and Andy Dalton came in, I... Believed 100% they're going to be just fine. Andy Dalton's a good quarterback. Is he great? No. Hall of Fame? No. Pro Bowl? Yeah. If he's got the right pieces around, yeah. Now, people will say, oh, Andy Dalton in Dallas wasn't good. But I promise you, if you're a Cowboys fan, you understand the offensive line had a bunch of injuries, too. So he was dealing with the bad offensive line. Didn't have the time he needed to get those weapons. But they won some games. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't the reason they were losing games. But he lacks, and he always has lacked, that extra special it thing. So he's a perfect backup. That's exactly what you want as a backup quarterback. A guy that can come in, start a few games, get you over the hump. That's what you want. He's a good quarterback. He's a good option for them. It was a good pickup. It was a smart pickup. 
So do you you have to keep Justin Fields in there now because you can't take him out now. But it's just a reminder to you guys, be careful what you ask for. You might get it. And when you get it, it might not look the way you thought. And this brings me to warning. I'm warning you. I'm warning Rams fans. I am warning the NFL media. I am warning casual fans. You guys are walking into dangerous territory by pledging your allegiance and love and admiration and infatuation for Matthew Stafford. Oh, I saw this one coming from a mile away. Can someone explain? First of all, someone explain to me, what did Jared Goff do wrong? Am I missing something? Hold up. Am I missing something? What do you do wrong? Right? What do you do? Because all I've ever seen from Jared Goff, from him starting in college as a freshman, with that terrible line, coming thrown right into the wolves in a D1 program, in a Power 5 conference, and excelling, coming to the NFL with a coach... And Jeff Fisher, who's notoriously known for having zero clue about offense. To then getting the Wonder Boy, Sean McVay, and going to a Super Bowl. They went to a Super Bowl. And they lost to the greatest football coach of all time in Bill Belichick. And and now he had to go? Jared Goff had to go? What would he do? That's what I'm saying. And Matthew Stafford, what has Stafford done in his career that makes you say he's better than Jared Goff? All right, maybe I'm getting I'm getting a little too far ahead. I'm getting I'm I'm drawing comparisons, and I shouldn't. Okay. My first point, my first question, the first thing I'm trying to figure out is I don't know why the world turned on Jared Goff. I love Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff is really good. I think he's really good. Okay? He's a career 64% completion percentage guy. You probably think, ah, that's not elite company. Matthew Stafford is career 62%. Okay, so Matthew Stafford, they're about the same as far as how many completions they got. Okay. They're both... Matthew Stafford throws for a bunch of yards. But think to yourself. When was the last time Matthew Stafford was in a big game and he won? Now, listen. Y'all know me. I'm not the one to say that the quarterback, like... He should get credit for wins and losses solely. So I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this. Matt Stafford was always a guy you looked at and say, yeah, he's good, but he don't. Can he get you over? Can he get over the hump? And I understand he was in Detroit. And Detroit's garbage. They've been Detroit's been bad. I'm 30. I don't think I'm 34. I don't think the, the Lions have ever been good in my life. Have I'm, I'd have to check. I don't think they've ever been. I don't think I've ever seen a year where somebody thought the Lions were actually good. 
maybe 10 and 6, maybe even 11 and 5, but you knew like it was it wasn't like a legit 11 and 5. It was kind of one of those. It's a Lions 11 and 5. So they're going to go to the first round in the playoffs and lose. You never thought they were going to get far. <laughs> so he played there and I get it, but what you also have to get is that he played first part of his career with Megatron. Right? So you just thrown it up to Megatron and we all know that guy unbelievable. That's who your receiver was. Who Jared Goff have? Cooper Cup. Good receiver. Really good receiver. He ain't Megatron. And now Matthew Stafford comes over to the Rams. Now I thought I thought the Lions, I thought it was a genius move for them. Matthew Stafford's getting towards the end. Even if he's got four or five good years, Jared Goff, you could have him for another 10. You get a really good quarterback, move in a new direction. I thought it was smart on that part. I thought the Rams were dumb. I thought it was a dumb move. Matthew Stafford. I like Stafford. Great arm. And he's putting up big numbers right now. He's got big numbers right now. Through three game three games, he's completing 70%, 942 yards, and nine touchdowns. Whew. Three games. And they're three and oh. It's looking good. It's looking real good. Looking like they won that trade. Until you realize Jared Goff and lowly Detroit is completing 70%, 800 yards, and five touchdowns. Okay. So do we think, do you think, if they swap back, you think if Matt Stafford was still in Detroit, Jared Goff is still in L.A., do we think the records would be different? Or do we still think the Rams would be 3-0 and and the Lions would be 0-3? It would be the same, right? So I don't understand... Why everybody's falling in love with Matt Stafford and saying Matt Stafford, oh, MVP, MVP. First of all, to talk about MVP after three weeks is so dumb. It's been three games. It's been three games. Like you can't, MVP conversation can't come up to at least halfway through. MVP, week three. All right, let's see where Matthew Stafford finishes. I'm willing to bet you. I'm willing to bet you. <clears throat> I'm willing to bet you that it's by about week 10, 11, them questions are going to start up again. It's not going to look the same. And that, I, I'm waiting for it. Y'all can fall into the trap if you want to. I'm not going to. I've seen Matthew Stafford have a great start. I've seen the Lions start off 6-0. and And then proceed to go 2-8. and the last 10 games of the year and just kind of fall off a cliff. So I'm not going to just anoint the Rams as the best team in the league or as Matthew Stafford MVP candidate. Sure. I heard them talk about it on the Monday night game. Dak Prescott needs to be in the discussion for MVP. What discussion? Why are we talking about MVP? It's been three games. <laughs> three games. You can't even determine if a team is good or bad after three games. Because everything you're doing is based off of last year. 
right? So week one, Cowboys play Tampa Bay, and they think, oh, man, moral victory. They play so well against the Super Bowl champs. That's a really good team. Okay. Now they're 2-1. What if they lose the next four? And then they're 2-5. and five. We still think they're a really good team, or are you going to change your tune? Then that close loss doesn't look as, as impressive. You get what I'm saying? Things are going to change so much in the next six, eight weeks. So if you're going based off last year, this ain't last year. Things were different last year. Like we keep talking about somebody's a really good defense based on last year. This ain't last year. Things change. So you so if you're falling, if you're one of those people who thinks Matthew Stafford, like, oh man, Rams are so smart for that trade. All right, just wait. Because the Lions are losing, and again, just like with Ty Wood or T Wood, if you look at it, you don't you're just looking at 0-3. They're terrible. If you watch those Lions games, man, that that's that's a competitive team. That's a team that's gonna that's gonna finish with a really bad record, but you're gonna say that's a really good team. And then going into next year, you gotta look at them and say they they might win that division. The coach is right for them. The attitude is right. They play hard. They know what they're doing. They got like I'm telling you, man, that team, that's gonna be a team. And I think again, Jared Goff is gonna be a big reason for that because I feel like. It, do you remember, like, in what? Was it his first year with McVay or his second year? They made it to a Super Bowl. Right? And everyone was like, oh, yeah, but McVay was coming in his ear with 15 seconds in the play clock and telling him where to go, and it was making it easy for him. It was like, yeah, but that's because he was also a young QB. It was the first year or second year together. They were kind of, they had a little system figured out, and it was like, all right, this is working. Let's just do this. Doesn't mean he couldn't grow from there. I'm sure every coach tries to do that for their quarterback, but he some for some reason got penalized for that. And people looked at him like he was less. He wasn't really good. He's a he's a product of the system. Okay, fine. So then a year, two years later, when the wins aren't coming the same, they're going nine nine and seven, you know. Now it's like all of a sudden, what the the system is he still a product of the system? Because then that means the system's not working the same. No, but now it's not the system. When he was doing well, it's the system. When it's doing bad, it's because he ain't no good. Ship him out of town. And all right, just wait. Just wait. Because I want to see what happens in week 10, 11, 12. And see if Matthew Stafford is still putting up MVP performances. I don't think he will. And I think they're going to lose some games. And I think the conversation is going to dramatically change. You know what other conversation needs to dramatically change? We need, we need, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say this. I'm going to make this statement. And I know, <laughs> I know this is going to sound crazy for me to say it, but I believe it in my soul. Okay. And I'm going to say it now because it's early and people probably haven't even thought about it. Justin Herbert, right? For the LA Chargers is the best quarterback in the NFL. Yep. I said it. And last week went head to head with Mahomes, who is widely considered the best. And I'm going to ask you, did you did you not feel like Herbert was better? 
I don't understand why everybody thinks Mahomes is just the best quarterback in the league. He's got a great arm. But if we also, if we lined it up and said, all right, let's look at weapons and everything you got around you on the offensive side, I promise you, Kansas City, top three on your list. If you thought about receivers, tight ends, running backs, offensive coordinator, they would be right in that top three. Dallas would probably be one because I think most people just, they know the names, right? So you know Amari Cooper, you know CeeDee Lamb, you know Ezekiel Elliott, you know Dak Prescott. So you'd probably put them at number one even though they may not deserve it. That's not me being rah, rah, rah fanboy. I'm just saying those names are more popular than what Kansas City has. But you would have to say the weapons that Kansas City has and the system and the way they employ them is is top notch, top three. I, when I, whenever I think about who's the best, I would always say if you swap spaces, if you swap places, what would the result be? Right? So when 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 you call Tom Brady like the GOAT, what you would say is, is there a team you could send Tom Brady to in the NFL that you don't think would be dramatically better? And the answer is no. You put him on any team in the NFL – they're going to dramatically be better. He's that good. He's that great. He brings that much knowledge. He brings that much of a work ethic that he's going to change. He's going to force everybody in there to prep different and prepare and and practice and focus is going to be different because Tom Brady's there. That's what he's proven. Not just by going to Tampa Bay because, again, Tampa Bay is another one of those teams. One, two, three. Dallas, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, that's your top three offensive units. That's what I would say. That's that's going to be the order, right? So I'm not saying going to Tampa Bay is what proved it that Tom Brady would do that. No, 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 no. But him leaving New England and seeing the way that New England is operating without him, you can see that there is a difference. Okay? So if I took Patrick Mahomes off of Kansas City and I put him on Detroit, do I now think that Detroit is going to be dramatically better? No, I don't. I don't. But what Mahomes has is a really great arm. He's got a really good supporting cast. He's got a really good coach, offensive-minded coach. And he throws in every once in a while these crazy plays. No-look passes. Passes, throwing sidearm, falling down, like, and you just say, how? How? How how did he make that? And they're winning. Let's not dismiss that winning causes everyone to give that person a notch and say he's better than they actually are. Because right now, everyone's in love with Derek Carr for the Raiders. Before the season started, everyone wanted to trade Derek Carr. Everyone thought the Raiders, the conversation every week was they need they need a better quarterback. They need a better quarterback. But now they're 3-0. and They're winning games. Derek Carr all of a sudden is an MVP candidate. You guys wanted to trade? You thought you thought he was, he was trash just three months ago. But when you're winning, oh, no, he's good. He's legit. But guess what? 
If the Raiders lose their next four games, I promise you the conversation is going to be Derek Carr is not the guy. Get him out of here. Again, just like we said last week, same player, same talent level, same ability. If the results aren't good, get him out. If the results are good, he's great. Guys, Patrick Mahomes has a lot of ability. He's a really good quarterback. But if they start losing games, the conversation is going to shift from Mahomes being the best quarterback to whoever has the best record is now going to be the best quarterback. So for me, I'm not looking at records. If I'm being honest, I don't even know what what the Chargers record is. One and two? To whom I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I don't follow them. So when I'm, again, I don't judge things so much off of record. I don't judge if a team is good or bad off of record. Because again, I think the Lions are a good team. 0-3. But I think when you watch them play, like that's, that's a good team. That's a good team. They like, so record doesn't matter to me. But I watch Herbert play the Cowboys. And I saw him make throws effortlessly. Okay, he got it. I saw him athletically. Okay, he got it. What else does he need? What does he have to do? And his demeanor, he's quiet. His demeanor, he's not flashy. He's probably not going to make that, oh my God, no look pass play. But he's going to throw that ball right where it needs to be. Darts all over the place. Never seems to get rattled. Calm. Has presence. Big. 6'6". Big dude. Rocket arm. Confidence. Not arrogance. Confidence. Right? With the right coaching. Right weapons. That, like he's, I'm telling you, that guy is the best quarterback in the NFL. Keep your eye on him. That guy, I, listen, I know, I know, it sounds stupid. You're probably like, hey, hey, dum-dum, we all, we all think he's really good. I know, I know, I know. I'm not saying everyone thinks he's bad. I'm just saying, that guy, that's the top. That right there, that's the top. He's got all the talent, athletic ability, everything of Mahomes. Everything that Mahomes has. Right? His arm, right there on the same level. Athletic ability, right there on the same level. Everything, right there. Boom. But coming out of college, actually going into their final seasons of their respective collegiate career, Justin Herbert was considered to be the top QB prospect coming out in his draft. Mahomes wasn't. There's a reason. Talent left, like talent-wise, he's got an edge on Mahomes. In reality, if you were just evaluating them, if they were at a combine. Just have him throw. I I promise you, Herbert would outgrade him. If they were in high school right now, high school seniors, I promise you, he would be graded higher. Just you, just use your eyeballs. Don't be blinded by highlights and all that. Just watch them consistently play, and you'll see. Herb Herbert's got it, man. That guy, that's. Top of the list. Mahomes has, he's got a little bit of that athletic arrogance. 
Don't worry. I'm going to explain it. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. What that means. I'm going to explain it to you. But one of the, one of those things, speaking of this kind of reminds me of something that I've, I've, I've noticed for a couple of years now, right? And it always, when it happens, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks, but it never really registered as to why it was starting to annoy me. And what it is, is when people say right now. So the power of right now, right? Like you'll hear people all the time say right now. So if you turn on any show, any sports show, they'll talk about, oh man, Giannis is, is the best player in the NBA right now. And when you hear that, you'll either brush right over it or it'll kind of hit you funny. Like, oh, that's, that sounded weird. And for me, it always, that sounds weird. What do you mean right now? You mean until they start playing and then his, he doesn't have the same numbers and then it's going to be somebody else. What do you mean right now? And then it hit me the other day. Oh, the power of right now means you can say it. And if later on it comes out to be wrong, you never made a definitive statement. You made a temporary statement that is open to change at any point. So like, all right. So for example, I could say, hey, Derek Carr is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And you would say, all right, look at his numbers, 3-0. and Okay, yeah. If they lose the next four games, I could say, hey, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback right now. They could lose a bunch of games and be like, I'm not wrong, right? When I said it right now, this moment, he's playing the best. Next week, it could be somebody else. Next week, it could be somebody other than that. So what happens is right now, we live in an era and a time where everybody's trying to be right. They're trying to be first. They're trying to be right. They're trying to say the big statement. And I know this is funny, right? This is funny after me just coming out saying Justin Herbert is the best quarterback and telling you I was getting in on it early. I know. I'm a hypocrite. Hey, man, sometimes I'd be right. <laughs> but I'm not saying it like I'm trying to be right. Like, listen, if I'm wrong, like I'm wrong, whatever. I'm just telling you what I believe. And again, if you've ever watched Dogma, beliefs are difficult to change. These are an idea. I'm not just telling you my ideas. I'm telling you what I believe. I'm going to believe it until the end of time. Until something happens that makes me feel like I, I no longer should believe this. So I believe that Justin Herbert is the best quarterback. I don't need to give you numbers or anything else. Like I'm just saying from what I see, you telling me you get anyone in the NFL to start with, that's the guy I want. I would I give put him on any team and start around build around him. That's the guy. So I believe that. So I'm not trying to be first, trying to be right. I'm not gonna come back here in a couple months if he ends up having an MVP season, saying I told you. No, no, I'm not gonna do that because I'm not trying. You know. But anyway, so all these people are trying to be right, trying to be first, trying to say these grand things. So they want to say who's the best, who's the best, who's the best to get debate going, to get the conversation going, to get people riled up. But what they do is they know if they say this guy is the best and it falls apart, everyone's going to come back on them on Twitter, Instagram, comments, all that stuff. And they're going to say, you were wrong, you were wrong, you were wrong. And then they look stupid and then they lose credibility. So what they do is they cheat and they hide it behind the statement right now see because right now gives you a free out because i can say kevin durant is the best player in basketball right now 
And then when the season starts and it doesn't work out well and they have a really bad year and he gets injured or whatever, I could then change it because all I said was right now, in this moment right here, that's the guy. And two weeks no longer has to be the guy. So right now, right now, I can say the Raiders are the best team in the AFC West right now. They're playing the best right now. And then next week, if they lose, they're not playing the best right now. So now my statement was true. I was right. You can't tell me I was wrong. So I can make that statement and I can get out of jail free if it doesn't work out. And that's annoying. That's annoying. Because again, I think Detroit is good. They're 0-3. I still think they're a good team. You can be good and lose. You can be the best team in the league and lose games. Right? Like, look. To basketball. And listen, I know we've been very football heavy. That's because it's football season. When basketball comes back around, trust me, it's it's going to be in it too. I love basketball. I'm, I got passionate takes about basketball. Okay? Just you wait. But let's, t- <laughs> let's talk about this, right? So when the Cleveland Cavaliers in, what, 2000, was it, what, 15 through 19? 15 through 18, when they went to all them back-to-back-to-back going against the Warriors, those three straight years, they didn't always have the one seed. But we knew, like, Cleveland's the best team in the East. They're going to come out of the East. They could be the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth seed. We don't care. They don't have to be the best team all year long in the East. That's the best team. And that's the same thing. We we knew, like, that's that's the best team in the East. They're going to represent the East in the Finals. They didn't have to be the number one seed. So everyone was like, oh, no, Boston's the best team in the East. No, they're not. They have the best record. They won the most games. That's not the best team. So when I say you could be the best team and not win all the games, it sounds crazy until you give a real-life example. So that's what I just provided for you. Cleveland was the best team in the East, even though they didn't finish with the one seed every year. So it's it's you don't have to say, oh, he's the best right now. He's the best right now. He could be the best quarterback and not be having the best season. But if you were starting a franchise and you could take any quarterback in the world, who's the one you want? That's the one because he's the best. Regardless of what his numbers come out to be for that given year, that's the best quarterback. That's the guy you start around. Which is why Tom Brady, still the best quarterback in the NFL. I know you're probably going crazy. Right? Like, I thought Justin Herbert was. I know. <laughs> Tom Brady's like on that uh, that GOAT status, that elite level. Like, he's above everybody else. So, like, he's the GOAT quarterback. So, he can't really fall into that list of best quarterbacks in the NFL. So, Justin Herbert is the best quarterback in the NFL to me. But that's because Tom Brady doesn't count. He can't count. That's like saying who's the best MCs in the world. There's some guys you you just can't count. Some guys you just know like that they're they're above that. Like take Biggie and Tupac out of it. Who's the best rappers? They you know. I'm having fun, man. Are you guys having fun? Oh my bad. That's my water bottle. You guys enjoying this? I'm having a good time with this one. This is this is fun. I love doing this, man. So let me touch on, I've mentioned a couple times athletic arrogance. 
And let me tell you where this comes from. So I mentioned earlier about Justin Fields. There's this show uh, that used to be on this app, Go Go 90, I think was the app. Something like that. It was this little media app that they that they were doing. And it was the show they had on there called QB1, which has now since been transferred over to Netflix, I believe, has the rights. And the show was phenomenal, man. Because what they would do is they would have camera crews. It was like a reality show. And they'd follow three of the top quarterback recruits in the country. And so what they would do is follow them on their senior season. And you'd see their day-to-day to practice his games. And they'd have the the highlights of the games and it was all dramatic and it was really fun and it was really cool because you kind of got an inside look at what it must be like or what it's like for them day day by day to be like the top recruit and it was a really good show i love that show it's fun and on that show in the last season they had spencer rattler he was out in arizona he was like the number one qb recruit in the country he was going to oklahoma and in the show First of all, can I just say, that's an ugly dude, man. And I have a theory. I'm not going to get into it right now, but I have a theory that you can't be ugly. You can't be, like, certified. Nah, you ugly. You can't be Popeye Jones and be a good elite quarterback. Right? I mean, <laughs> I know. Listen, today's one of those days, y'all. Listen, we this is episode four. We starting to get into the weeds. Y'all are going to start getting into my mind how I think. I'm telling you, that's why I have this show. Because I am I be thinking crazy and I need somewhere to get these thoughts out. I started thinking, like, who is the last elite quarterback that was certifiably, without a doubt, no matter who you ask, just ugly? I haven't gotten to one yet. Like, where you were like, no, nah, this is the top five quarterback in the NFL and he's but ugly. I haven't gotten it. That's a different show. We're going to get into that in a different show. <laughs> but just remember I said it. So when you start watching top quarterbacks, just look at them and be like, ah, he's a good looking dude. Like, I guess, it does, does it translate? Does it? Does, is there a correlation between being good looking and being elite quarterback? I think so. But that's neither here nor there. So Spencer Rattler, this ugly dude, I didn't like him in the show. And I felt weird because I'm a, I'm a grown man watching these high school kids. And I'm like, I don't like this kid. <laughs> so I felt like the grumpy old guy because, you know, he was like, his attitude was weird. He thought he was the man. He thought he was it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know why that bothers me. And then when you watched him in the games, the way he trash talked, the way he carried himself and did things, you were like, man, I don't know. And you kept saying, this guy is incredibly talented. And then he went off to Oklahoma. And he would come in in some games last year. And you see him play. And it, it Oklahoma just didn't look like Oklahoma. Oklahoma is known for putting up crazy numbers. Like, what, three straight Heisman finalists? Like, at QB? Like, they an impressive run of just, if you played Oklahoma, you're going to be a Heisman finalist. You're going to put up crazy numbers. Like, what was it, like? Two, it was two, it was back to back. Number one, first overall picks in Kyler Murray and uh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, so like that's that's the lineage. And Spencer Rattler, I'm telling you, Spencer Rattler is more talented, both of them dudes. No knock on either one of them. I mean, I don't like Baker Mayfield. You stabbed your flag into the O at Ohio State. I don't forgive you. <laughs> Unforgivable. So you, I don't like you, bro. And you was trash talking when you went against. I don't like Baker Mayfield. He can go, okay. But Kyler Murray, he's he's talented. He's just little. It's so weird to watch him play. He's so little, 
but like his arm is insane. So he'd be whipping it like 90 yards. Like, bro, how do you even have, you don't even have enough body mass to generate that much power. Somehow he does it. But Spencer Rattler is just naturally like elite talent, right? But at Oklahoma, it don't look right. It, it, something's missing. And every time I I, uh, I turn on the game, I'm always like, yo, I bet you he has two picks. And I'll look up the box score. And it's like, yeah, he's got two picks. It's like, because you just know. And it's like, and I started thinking, like, what is it about him that I feel like is the problem? And everyone's asking, like, oh, man, what's Oklahoma doesn't, the offense isn't moving the same as it once did. Has, has, has the country caught up to the system? Like, no, 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 no. It's the quarterback. The quarterback is a problem. And it's not a problem like they can't win, like he's not good. But it's just there's something – the, the system's not being run as flawlessly as previous quarterbacks have. Even Jalen Hurts came in there and was like – picked it up from day one and took off like insane numbers. So what's what's wrong with Spencer Rattler and why are things not working out? And And it comes down to this thing that I call athletic arrogance. Right now, I get it. If you're the high school quarterback, you number one recruit in the country, you're going to be a little arrogant. Everybody treating you like you the man, you like a celebrity. So I get being a little arrogant, feeling like, yeah, what's up? I'm the man. But when it comes to the sport you play, you still have to work incredibly hard. And there are some guys who believe that the accolades they have or the praise they have or the ranking they have is based on the fact that I'm just that good. I do this in my sleep. And those guys go on and don't put in the same level of work or preparation or trust the system. And they feel like, no, it ain't the system. It's me. So Spencer Rattler went to Oklahoma thinking, oh, we're going to put up these numbers and we're going to win these championships and I'm going to be the number one pick because I'm that good. And what we're realizing is he not trusting the system. He thinks that they do well because it's just him. He thinks that Kyler Murray put up all those numbers because he's just that good. Baker Mayfield because he's just that good. Jalen Hurts because he's just that good. He don't realize, no, it's their skill level paired with this system that pushes them forward and propels them even higher. Because we all know you take the right quarterback in the right system, that's magic. And Spencer Rattler is the right quarterback in that system. If he trusts it, if he follows it, if he puts his time into it, if he says this is the reason why we're going to go higher, not just me. I can't just come out here and do whatever I feel like it and we're going to be great. I got to invest in this. I got to invest in the system. I got to... Do follow this to a T. Trust that this can take me where I want to go. He don't. He don't do that. He still thinks that he. Now listen. Of course, I don't know him. I've never talked to him. But when I watch him play, you we all acknowledge there's a difference between him and all the other Oklahoma quarterbacks of the last decade. And and what is different? Is he less talented than them? No, he's more talented than them. So why is he struggling? Because his arrogance, when you watch the show, you see, oh, he's an arrogant dude. And he has that athletic arrogance to say, it's me. 
Oklahoma going to win or lose based on me. It's me. And it's like, no, 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 no. That system's there, bro. If you utilize that system and use that system, it's going to get you wherever you want to go. You're going to get all those numbers. You're going to get all those touchdowns. You're going to get all those accolades. You're going to get the number one pick. But you got to change your attitude to say it ain't about me. It's not my talent that's going to put this guy on the map. No, I'm going to use my talent and what I have and put that into this system and ride it. And he's not the only one. A lot of people have athletic arrogance. You know another dude? Cam Newton. Cam Newton is athletically arrogant. Again, it's not it's not necessarily their fault and it's not even necessarily a bad thing. This is I'm not trying to knock anybody or anybody's character. I'm just saying some people sometimes get so caught up in their own ability that they rely on their own ability too much as a hindrance to the team or what they're ultimately trying to do. And I think that's what happened with Cam Newton. Where Cam Newton went to New England and 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 posting all his workout videos and I'm a monster and they just signed a monster and it was all about his ability. It was never about let me let me do what they do. It was always and we we as fans did it too. You know, the the way it was covered, they did it too, where they were like, they have to adjust it to fit what Cam Newton does well. It's like, no, 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 no. That's backwards. Cam Newton has to dive into the system and become a part of the system and, and use his ability within that system to elevate both. You can't be you can't be arrogant and think it's just you, that your skill set and your ability is gonna be the thing. That's all you need. It don't matter where I, they got me. Like that don't that's not it, bro. You need more than just you or just your ability. So don't be athletically arrogant. Be athletically humble. Understand, yo, I'm the man. I'm legit. I'm the best in the world. But you got to put in that work every day. Floyd Mayweather, arguably the greatest boxer of all time, had every right in the world to be athletically arrogant to think that he's just that much better than everybody. And he talked like it. But to a man, you ask anyone, they said nobody worked as hard as Floyd Mayweather. That's a guy who understood, like, I'm athletically superior to you. But that work ethic mixed with this athletic ability is what's going to take me over the top and make me undeniably great. Spencer Rattler, I think you could look at it and kind of tell in the way he plays his body language and the way the things are turning out. And I know I'm not results based, but if you watch the way he play, the throws he makes, the hesitate, it's not as quick. It's not three-step drop, ball coming out. It's three-step drop, look around, look around, look around, ball coming out. He tries to fit it in a certain window. It's like, nah, there's other ones over here. You'll see sometimes a dump off is the right move. He don't really make it. Sometimes he makes a dump off first because he's trying to get those completions up. Again, you could just watch in the way it plays that he's trying to show that Spencer Rattler is, is, is the man. And it's like, nah, bro, you need to take your talent, marry it with the system, and I promise you, you're going to get everything you ever wanted. So from time to time, you'll hear me say this person is athletically arrogant. And that's all I mean by it. So let's jump over. Let's jump over to boxing. Let's talk about the uh, Anthony Joshua. Alexander Usyk. Or is it Alexander? Because <laughs> it's a, oh, Alexander. I'm going to just call him Usyk. Usyk. Usyk, 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 Usyk. 
<laughs> you sick, bro. <laughs> Look, man, you sick one. Be Anthony Joshua, full transparency. I, I, I missed the fight. I missed the fight. I knew it was coming on. I said to myself earlier, because, you know, those UK fights, they come on at like 6 p.m. So it's like, you know, you come home from work, you're doing things. Next thing you know, you having dinner. And next thing you know, like, oh, my God, you get the alert that the fight's over. You're like, oh, I missed it. That's exactly what happened to me. So I missed the fight. But the only thing I want to talk about is that this is the second loss for Anthony Joshua. And and I am blown away. I am amazed. I'm impressed. And I'm in love with the way he handles losses. And I've noticed, you know, there was some conversation about he's a loser. Like, how can you, you know, he's an idiot. Like, how can you not be mad? Because he's always, like, super, like, yo, it's all good. The way he he loses and he gives all the respect in the world to the opponent. Andy Ruiz, all the respect to him, man. He beat me. He's the better man tonight. Usyk, hey, man, he's he's the better. He beat me. He, he won. I, I take this. I'm not going to beat myself up over it. I'm not going to be down about it. I'm going to be positive and say, listen, we... I know what I have to do in a rematch. I have the rematch clause for a reason. You know what I mean? So we're going to run it back. I'm going to learn from this. And I'm going to move forward. This is going to make me better as a man, as a fighter. It's going to make make me better. And again, we talk about sportsmanship. So he'll go into the other locker room and be like, oh, man, when you did this, that was great. And it's like there's so much respect on both sides. Like the opponents respect him. He respects the opponents. And it's like it's great to see. To be that humble. To be that, like, yo, no excuses. Like, he beat me. He was better. He he did some... I, I lost. And that's okay. I'm going to come back from this. And I promise you I'm going to come back. And you can tell as he's saying it, I don't get the sense that he's okay with the loss. I don't get the sense that he's not, he's not worried about it. He, it don't bother him. I get the sense that he's really bothered, but he also understands either, A, I'm going to cry about this. I'm going to complain. I'm going to say the judges did this. I'm going to say, oh, he wasn't really that good or this or that. Or I'm going to say, look. Let's learn from this. Let's learn from this. I'm not dead. I still got paid. I came out of this okay. I got all my faculties. I have the rematch clause in place. We can run it back. What can I... Let me learn from this then. And let me come back better. Be, Be motivated instead of discouraged. And it's not a fake... Put on like, no, I'm gonna be all... It's gonna be okay. Don't worry about me. I'm gonna be fine. It's not that fake like trying to prove to the world to then prove to yourself that you're going to be okay. It's like a genuine, like, listen, man, this is, this is how it goes sometimes. Sometimes you lose. Like, you can't win every fight. Like, it's sometimes it just happens. And when it's your time and when you lose a fight, you just got to learn from it, move on, and come back stronger. I love that attitude. I love that mentality. It's not a loser's mentality. We need to get out of this where, like, if you lose the fight, you have to be animated and mad and angry and all oh, blah, 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 and yelling and demanding a rematch and cursing and all. Or like you have to be depressed. You have to go into a corner and be like, I couldn't look in the mirror for the next. No, man, you could be walk out of there fine. Take five minutes in the locker room, soak about it, get over it. Let's move on. What are we going to do now? That's a good lesson for life. In life, anything that happens to you, anything bad happens to you, anything good happens to you, take five minutes to live in it. Live in it. Feel it. Feel all the emotions that come with it, good or bad. And after five minutes, take a step back and say, all right, now how do now what are we going to do next? How are we going to get, how are we going to take this bad situation and, 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 and fix it? 
Or how are we going to take this good situation and capitalize on it and go forward and, and have another good situation? That's just a great way to live. That's just a great mindset. That's a great mentality. And that's why that guy is going to have a future after boxing. Now, compare that to the way Deontay Wilder handled his first loss. The first thing he did was came out with excuses. My costume was too heavy. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. My my costume, the outfit I had on, the little the little superhero suit I had on was like over forty pounds. It 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 took my the energy out of my legs. I ain't had no legs starting that fight. Okay. Well, you chose to wear that. And you had to have tried it on beforehand, so you knew how heavy it was, so you could have made the decision. And you put it on in the back before you walked to the ring, so you could say, Man, this is heavy. Man, this is gonna be a long walk. I don't, I ain't gonna do this. I don't wanna do this. You could have made that audible at any time. You didn't. You chose to do it. That's on you. You can't make that as an excuse. Oh, you know what? My, my, my trainer, they poisoned my water. It was sabotage. They put some stuff in my water. Okay. That, now you just, now you're getting crazy. Oh, he had, he had an egg, egg weight in his gloves. Oh, his gloves. And he, he was cheating. He had no padding in his gloves. That's why, that's why I felt his, his punches a little better. That's why I had an egg-shaped knot on my head. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, if he's holding the weight in his hands, when he punch you, you ain't going to have an egg shape from the weight. Am I, are you saying the weight was like taped to the outside of his hands? <laughs> That's why I had a dent in my head, the shape of the egg. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one that was laughing at Wilder when he was coming out saying all these crazy excuses and reasons why he lost that fight. Instead of just being like, yo, I got beat, man. He came in. He's a really good fighter. He's big, and he came right at me. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't prepared for that. And he he, he beat me. But I promise you, we get in this rematch, and I promise you, you're going to see a different me. That's all he had to say. But he came out for, for months and months claiming this and that. And it's like, that's Wilder now. Like, we ain't think about Wilder no more. That fight don't even have as much juice as he should have because of that. Because now he's coming talking about revenge, revenge. The only thing I think about is revenge. It's like, dude, you're going to psych yourself up so much that when the fight finally comes, you're going to be so excited. You might walk right into a right hand. You're going to be so eager to knock this dude out or show him something different or do something crazy. You're going to walk right into just... Because again, Tyson Fury has told you on multiple occasions. He's shown you in every way. This isn't, my, this isn't everything for me. I love doing this. I'm great at this. I dedicated my life to this. If he loses, his life's not over. He going to walk away from him and be like, hey, we're going to come back. We're going to be fine. His world's not going to be upside down. See, Wilder, his whole identity was heavyweight champion of the world. Best ever. Knock everybody out. And when he got knocked out, when the bully got bullied, his, his whole... He, he, had to, he had to face the reality of the first time we fought... I hit you with my best shot. I I can't hit you better than that. And you got back up. 
and it was a draw. I gave everything I had, and it was a draw. And then we we ran it back, and we had a second fight, and I thought, oh, I'm knocking him out. I know exactly what I got to do. And you got in there, and then you got beat. You got beat. You didn't just lose. You didn't lose a decision. It wasn't close. You got beat. He walked right to you, knocked you out. Your corner threw in the towel and said, it ain't worth it, bro. And they could have thrown in the towel after round four. They let you go a little longer, but that fight was over. And now you walk away thinking, can I can I just not beat him? Am, am I not capable of beating him? I hit him with my best shots. I'm the power. I knock everybody out. I couldn't knock him out. And then I came back knowing exactly what I had to do, and he came out and knocked me out. And it messes with your mind. And sometimes you got to just accept he got my number. And again, Wilder, we all know, he don't have the boxing skills. He don't have no plan B. He don't have no C game that he could go to and say, my A game not working. All right, let me try B. Uh-uh. B not working, let me go to C. He don't have no levels. He either going to go in there and knock you out or he going to lose. And so he just has to, like, you got to go back to the drawing board. So he could have took an Anthony Joshua perspective and say, yo, I need to I need to refine my skills. I need to refine my skills. I need to go. I need to get with some coaches. I need to get some sparring. I need people in here. I'm going to take some time to really build up my B game, my boxing game, my jab, my this and that. Like more than just that dominant right hand. And he didn't. He just complained. He just made excuses. Then he said he was going in the lab, refining his skills, put out all these videos, right, of new skill. Ooh, look at new boxing technique. Listen, my older brother told me one time, I we used to play rec basketball, right, and I used to go to the park. After the season, I would go to the park every day, like, oh, I'm putting in work, and I would be working on my handle, my dribble, dribble moves, layups, to the, like, working on my handle. Because, again, if, if you know me, I ain't, I ain't got no handle in basketball, bro. <laughs> And not only do I not have handle, I don't have no confidence in my handle. So if I'm dribbling the ball of court, you even take one step to me, I'm stopping my dribble looking to pass it to somebody. They about to steal it, y'all. <laughs> I be getting spooked. You just got to, like, jab step at me. on the, I'm, Yo, pick up the ball, throw it to somebody else. Like, no, nah, I don't want no parts of that. I ain't getting by you, right? So I would go after the season to work on my handle and be like, I'm coming back next season. I'm going to be crossing people over, boom, boom, boom. And, he, and my brother used to always say the same thing to me. He used to be like, you got to go to the park and you got to play against other people. You can go train as much as you want on your own and work on your handles. That's good. But until you get in front of somebody, it don't matter. Because what's going to happen is when you get in front of somebody and they press you, you're going to go right back to what's natural for you. And your natural tendency is to pick the ball up and pass it. So you have to work on your handles on your own and then go play with people and practice when people come up to you not picking up the dribble, breaking that bad habit to create a new habit to where you're just going to make a move. And until you do that, you always going to revert right back to what you know. And I used to be like, nah, he lying. I used to go into games super confident. I'm going to have handle. And then sure enough, I'd bring the ball up court. Defender would take a step towards me. I'd pick up the ball. Like, di- didn't even realize I was doing it. 
but you always revert back to what you've always done unless you break that habit. So Wilder could do all these new boxing moves, these new angles, these new things, but until he's in front of somebody trying to take his head off, he don't even know what his reaction is going to be. And you know what's going to happen? The first two, three rounds, he's going to do it. He's going to do all those new things he learned. All those new moves, he's going to use them all. We're going to say, oh, he looks like a different fighter. He looks good. But then what happens when he gets tired? What happens when Fury's landed some punches? What happens if he feels like Fury's winning some of these rounds? And he feels like, I'm I'm using all my new boxing skills. But like, uh, it's not having the effect that I want. And I'm tired. My technique slips a little bit. He's going to revert right back to what he was his entire life. Looking for that one shot to knock somebody out. And 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 if it if the fight starts to drag on and he can't land that good shot, if he don't hurt Fury, he's gonna get desperate. He's gonna start thinking the thought's gonna come back into his mind of I can't beat this guy. And he's gonna get desperate, he's gonna panic, and he's gonna have to go for it. And that's dangerous territory. Because again, that all comes from when the comparison between him and Joshua, which you feel like Joshua is going to come back. And even if he doesn't win, you feel like, nah, he, he, you, you kind of just feel like he is going to come back better. His attitude is just better. Like the way he took it was better. The way he responded was better. No excuses. Like giving credit, giving praise, like being humble, understanding you lost. It's this guy's moment. It's not nobody else's fault. You can't blame your sparring partners. You can't blame your trainer. You can't. You law. You're in that ring. You're fighting this person. You guys are going after the same thing. You're trying to beat him. He's trying to beat you, and he beat you. You have to accept that. That's on me. And that's what Joshua does. And Wilder never accepted it was on me. Wilder didn't walk out of that ring after getting knocked out, or after his corner stopped. To thinking, I need to get better. I'm not good enough to beat him. I need to change things. This is on me. He blamed it on the costume. But who picked the costume? You. Who put on the costume? You. Who decided to walk out with that costume? You. Oh, my trainer, he put something in my water. It was his fault. He did that. Oh, my my trainers didn't, you know, they didn't prepare me right for the fight. I've never bo- I've never boxed a day in my life, right? I haven't gotten into a fist fight since I was 13 years old. If some guy comes up to me in the street right now and throws a punch at me, it's on me to defend myself, to figure that out, to try to win that fight for me. I got to win. So if you're wilder, I don't care what the game plan was coming in. When that man is 40 pounds heavier than you, walking straight at you, throwing punches, you got to figure it out. You got to do something. Forget. <laughs> Yo, hey, we ain't trained for this. Audible. You got this. It's, it's fight or flight now. You got to figure something out. And he didn't have it. And look, if you watched, if you go back and you watch Fury Wilder 2 and you watch the beginning of that fight, Wilder did look a little out of it. I don't know if the moment got to him, if the pressure got to him, if he wasn't prepared, if he was hungover. I don't know what it was, but you could see early in that fight, he looked like, not that he was overwhelmed, but he just looked like he was breathing funny. Like, you you know, it's probably true. He probably didn't feel well. Like, he probably felt off. 
we've all had those moments where you just you just you feel a little off you just don't feel like yourself like your your body not responding the way you want to like you just off and ain't nobody fault ain't nobody poison your water it's just one of them days man and it just happened to you at a bad time and that's cool but again you got to accept that on you and speaking of accepting things on you can we listen something happened this weekend okay and and I need I need to get into it because what's the name of my show sometimes I be right correct so these next two things we about to get into y'all need to look at me and say yo sometimes you be right I said week 1 Cowboys lost to the Bucks and I said yo throwing the ball too much the recipe is run the ball throw off the run if you run the ball that's going to open everything up you're paying all these offensive linemen you're paying your running back top money run the ball listen you paying your quarterback top money so don't put him in a position where he's got to throw it 60 times knowing that that's not the best way to utilize him utilize him to the best of his ability maximize your dollar run the ball the team operates better off the run. The run is going to open up the pass, making your quarterback more effective. And guess what they did the last two weeks? Run the ball more than they pass. Dak Prescott, 26 pass attempts. Perfect. Perfect. Pass it 26, run the ball 35, 36. Perfect. Perfect. And guess what you did against the Eagles on Monday night? Washed them. Got him out of here. Guess what else happens? You not only are controlling the clock, but you're offensively being effective and you're scoring points. You know what it does to the team, the opposing team? They now have to adjust their game plan because we're behind. We're behind now. So now we wanted to run the ball, do this, do this. Well, now we're down. We're down 10 nothing before we know. Before we blink, 10 nothing. We're We're halfway through the second quarter. We've had the ball one time. Now you got you got to speed everything up a little bit. Leads to mistakes. And what happened on Monday night? Mistakes. Interceptions. Missed throws. You rushing it. What happens with the defense? We rested. We rested. We got to lead. Pin our airbags. Go after the quarterback. Be aggressive. Defense is going to be productive that way. Why? Because if we if I know that my offense has a lead and can get us scores and can control the clock, I'll gamble on that pick. I'm not going I'm not going to say listen I'm not going to try to jump the route because if I miss he's going to get a big gain in my score or whatever now we down you believe in your offense no my offense they're going to get the ball they control we like you believe in it so you're going to take that gamble and what happens when you take the gamble pick 6 That's the way this team has to play Now I know it's the Eagles Eagles are garbage By the end of the season we're going to see they are garbage <laughs> So I'm not saying like the Cowboys best team in the league because they destroyed the Eagles. No. But what I'm saying is what you saw in that game is the blueprint. Because it doesn't matter who you play. That's your blueprint. Now, maybe you don't score 40 points, but you'll score 30. You understand what I'm saying? So against a better team, imagine if they had played that way against Tampa Bay. Now, everyone was saying, oh, they didn't run the ball because Tampa Bay has got a really good run defense. It's week one. You don't know what kind of run defense they have. 
you don't know what kind of defense they have at all. It's the first game of the season. Again, stop going back and looking at last year to determine what it's going to be this year. Because remember when Cam Newton was the MVP coming into that next year? Everyone assumed he's going to be great. Each year is different. So this defense that was great last year at stopping the run might be trash this year. We don't know. It's week one. So instead of saying, hey, let's uh, let's assume that they're going to be able to do this because last year they did it. No, let's let's go. at Let's let's do it. This is our game plan. And, that you know, everybody hated Jason Garrett, but that's what I loved about Garrett the most is Garrett said, we are going to do what we do. This is what we do. And everyone said, no, you can't treat every team the same and say, we're just going to do what we do. Sometimes you got to make adjustments. And I agree. Sometimes you do. But if you go into a game saying, listen, we run the ball. We are going to come in here. We're going to run it down your throat. And we don't care if you know it. This is what we do. That's a great attitude to have. Imagine if you're an offensive lineman and your coach says, yo, you're going right at him. Put him in the dirt. Can you imagine how excited you're going to be when you line up and they say, you ain't running on us. And you say, all right, watch. And you put him in the, and you start running on him. Come on, man. Could, could you imagine as a defender, if you know to stop the run and you still can't? Oh, my God. Demoralizing. So the last two weeks, they've been they've been using the system where we're going to run the ball and we're going to do we're going to pass it off the run. And that's the way we're going to conduct our team. The defense has looked really good both weeks, getting a bunch of turnovers, putting a lot of pressure on the opposing team's offense, and your offense is putting up points, getting yards, moving the ball, controlling the clock, and you won two games in a row. And there's no reason why you can't, going forward, do the same thing every week. This is you. This is your game plan. It's kind of like Kansas City's going to throw the ball all over the field. That's them. That's who they are. That's what they do. Be that. That's your identity. That's what you got to do. Perfect. We can't even talk about the game much. There's nothing to talk about. It was domination from start to end. And it all started with they got the ball, they ran the ball, ran right down the throat, went down, scored a touchdown. That's it. The game was over at that point. Right? Like, there's nothing that they could do. There's nothing the Eagles could do. They They had realized in the very first drive, we can't stop the run. It's over. As a fan, you knew, it's over. They can do that all night. Eagles are bad, so whatever. But against a better team, like, okay, you did it against the Chargers. It was a little tougher. It was a tougher game. It was a tough, it was tougher sledding. Like your run game wasn't as effective as it was against the Eagles because they're a little better than the Eagles. But it was still effective enough to where you put your defense in a good spot to be able to make a couple stops. You got the points you needed to get. You won the game. That's what it's about. Win the game. Win the game. Don't have to be pretty. I listen, I don't care if they win every game 14 to 12. Look, Baltimore Ravens, 2001, greatest defense of all time. Offensively, garbage. They were winning games 10-3. Like they were garbage. They were top chef trash, right? <laughs> but they won games and they won the Super Bowl. And I promise you, not a single Baltimore fan cares that they won ugly games. They won the Super Bowl. Just got to win the game. That's it.
My next point is I was so, listen, I was so happy and so, I was so unsurprised by the outcome of the Ohio State Akron game. It, it happened exactly how I thought it would, down to a T. And you know, the number one takeaway I got from this, Kyle McCord and Jack Miller looked and played just like C.J. Stroud. I wonder why. What do they all have in common? Hmm. Oh, they were all making their first start or playing in their first college game with their first college passes. That's what they all have in common. C.J. Stroud played three games, and in three games he did what he did. People have called for him to get replaced. He ain't no good bringing Kyle McCord. And again, again, I have to start by saying I have zero issues with any of these quarterbacks. I like all three. If anything, I am very skeptical of the Quinn Ewers. I don't believe it. I don't see anything that makes me feel like this guy is next level. Can't wait for him to come in. I don't see it, but I'm weird. I know I'm weird when it comes to judging quarterbacks. I'm weird, man. I like I like subtleties and subtle things. Maybe it's the fact that he's got a mullet that throws me off. Maybe it's, I don't know, something about it. Like, he skipped his senior year of high school. He signed the endorsement deals early. I don't know. It, something about it just makes me feel like it ain't going to work. But, hey, I, I'm, I, I could be wrong. But Kyle McCord, I like this guy. I like his demeanor. I like I like the way he plays. I like him. Jack Miller, I like, I'm rooting for this guy because he came in behind the eight ball. And it just seems like every time they talk about quarterbacks, that guy gets left out. But he's he's good, though. He's a grinder. He's a guy who I don't athletically have the same ability as you guys, but I grind out and I get the job done. And I respect that and I like that. So I like all of them. And I'm only defending C.J. Stroud as hard as I am is because he was named the starter. And whoever got named the starter, I I would be going to bat for them the same way because he didn't he doesn't the way he's played doesn't deserve to be replaced. And once I started seeing people call for replacing him, once I saw even in the Minnesota game, first game of the year, people like during the game, the broadcasters questioning like you know how he's playing. It was like it's his first game. On the road against a, a good Minnesota team. You know what I mean? On a Thursday night, first game starting in college, first passes. Now, the level of difficulty there is different than, than Kyle McCord had going against Akron at home at night. But on his first couple pass attempts, he wasn't even close. And why? Why, was it, why were his throws off? Nerves. He was nervous. You know what I mean? Nervous. He he threw a screen. It wasn't close. He threw a wide receiver screen and didn't come close to the receiver. Threw it way off. Just nerves. Just nervous. And I laughed. And I thought that's really funny. And I thought good for him, man. Because he's just nervous. And it's cool. It's cool to see somebody in that position playing as a freshman, starting for Ohio State in the horseshoe, a night game, and and he's just nervous. It's it's refreshing to see that the I would be the same way. 
I would have trouble making that throw because I would be so nervous. And it was cool. It was a, it was a cool little moment. And then he airmailed another one, and I said, "This is cool." He's a young guy, his first start, and then he kind of, you know, he made some plays, and he was helped. Listen, he was helped. One, he threw one pass to Egbuka, Emeka Egbuka. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm, I apologize if I'm wrong, but he threw he threw a, like a ten yard pass to him, and he ran eighty five yards. He's gonna get eighty five yards. He's gonna get credit for eighty five yard pass, but he only threw it like ten yards. He had another one. Garrett Wilson had a fifty two yard catch and run. It, he threw it like fifteen yards. So he ended up with three hundred nineteen passing yards. Uh, but again, on on two of those plays, it was run after catch that really made a big deal. He uh he ended up with two touchdowns. One of them was a little shovel pass. Whatever. He ended up... So for the night, he was 13-18. 319 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. The one pick was really bad. He was getting taken down. He tried to throw it, airmailed it right to a defender. No big deal. Again, those things happen. You're a young guy trying to make a play. You know better. He went to the sideline. Ryan Day pulled him over right away. Was coaching him up a little bit. You know, young, young kid stuff. That's what happens. Growing pains. You know who else had growing pains? C.J. Stroud. So Kyle McCord ended up with a 70.8 QBR. Out of 100, that's, that's really good. That's great. That's his first start. Jack Miller came in in relief of him, only threw eight passes, completed five for 66 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. Mop-up duty. But again, Akron's garbage, but you still have to judge the quarterbacks based on what they look like. And Kyle McCord looked like a guy who who was going to be really good, who could handle it, but he's just nervous his first start, you know, trying to be, again, trying to be perfect, trying to make the big play, trying to do too much. That happens. That's what, that's what freshmen, that's what freshmen do. That's what first time starters do. That's what rookie quarterbacks in the NFL do. So Ryan Day is handling it perfectly by saying it's, it's young guy mistakes. So fans are going to look at it and think, oh my God, they, they blew him out. The offense was humming. They're going to look at the numbers, the 13, 18, 319, two touchdowns. Oh, my God. But it was no different than C.J. Stroud in his first start. Going against Minnesota in his first start against a better team on the road at night, first game of the season, Stroud went 13 for 22, 294 yards, four touchdowns, an interception, and had a QBR of 88.4. He outplayed McCord. In a more difficult situation, in a more against a more difficult opponent, he outperformed him. Now, what would Kyle McCord do if next week he had to go against Oregon? Would they would they win or lose? We don't know. But as far as their first start, he did exactly the same thing and played almost identical to the way CJ Stroud played, which is couple throws that were off because of nerves a couple throws that were off trying to make the perfect play an interception ultimately as the game wore on got better and better got into a groove started looking like that top recruit that you brought in but what you saw was what i saw the biggest thing for me the biggest difference and the reason why i feel like yeah cj stroud is the right guy he's the guy i would go with too is because as good as McCord's arm is, I feel like I could see him putting mustard on the ball, right? Like he really puts a lot of effort and energy and and a lot of just a lot of effort into his throws. You can see, you can see him winding up. You can see him putting a little extra mustard. CJ Stroud throws it effortless. 
Watching the two throw, CJ Stroud just throws it effortless. And uh and I think he's just got he's got a little there's something about him. He's got a little he's a little more dynamic, I feel like. But listen, don't get it twisted, man. McCord is good. That's good for your first outing. That's good for your first showing. It was a great situation to be in. It was a great time to do it. Um, things get a little tougher. So, I mean, look, going forward, great quarterback room. But I think it, it was just, for me, it was just, I, w- I was glad to see. I feel, I feel like I saw what Ryan Day saw and why Ryan Day chose CJ Stroud. Because if you put on a game film of both of them, I think if you ask, even if you ask the people that were called, the people that that came into the game saying finally, McCord's coming in finally, the people that were calling for the replace C.J. Stroud, I I promise you, I'm willing to bet anything, if you took the two guys' first games, the first starts, and you put them on, two TVs right next to each other, and you went throw for throw, and you said which which one which one did you like better? I promise you, you like C.J. Stroud better. And yeah, he lost against Oregon. Yeah, the offense looked bad. Yeah, they went for it on fourth down multiple times and didn't get it. Yeah, he threw an interception. Yeah, all that. Then they lost. And that sucks and it hurts. And you feel like, ah, they shouldn't lose. It was Ohio State. They should win everything. I get it. I'm with you. They should I thought they should have won that game too. But I I, I agree with the coach, man. CJ Stroud should be the starter. There's just something there. He won the job. They all competed for it. He won it. They've all gotten to play in games. I think I think it's a very it's a slim listen, it's a slim margin. If you like Kyle McCord, I, I ain't mad at you. If you think he should be a starter, I'm not mad at you. As long as you don't think he should be the starter just because he just draws sucks. If you if you just like if you like his his you know, if you like the way he goes about it better. If, this, if he's got that it thing that does it for you, then great. But it's a, it's a, it's a close. It was a close race, and I'm sure it was a tough decision. But CJ Stroud got something. He got, he got, he's got a little something extra. And that, uh, yeah, man, that's important. All right, y'all. That's my time for today. I kept y'all a little longer than usual. We had what 90 minutes. Woo. Man, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Listen, man, for every every single one of you that listens to the show every week, I appreciate it, man. I really, really do. I hope you have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun making it. In Trash Can Studios, man, we did it again another week. We're going to be back next week, too, man. We're going to be back next week. I think I'm going to start I think I'm going to start putting it out on Thursday, though. I think I'm going to start doing Thursdays. Fridays might be a little late. If I put it out on Thursdays, y'all can catch it on Friday, maybe early on Saturday before the game starts. So predictions. Oh, man, predictions. Uh, Cowboys beat up. They beat up on the Panthers. Uh, what else we got? I think the Patriots. Nah, they're not beating the Buccaneers. Tom Brady's going to beat the Patriots. It's going to be a big story for no reason. Uh, and I got my man Justin Herbert torching the Raiders. That's right. Best best quarterback in the NFL is going to win on Monday night. That's right. I'm picking it. Ohio State's going to beat up on Rutgers. Like, come on. Rutgers is never going to beat Ohio State. There's levels to this, man. And, of course, listen, this is going to be a new weekly thing. Uh, Is Florida State going to win a game? 
They're 0-4. They're taking on Syracuse this week. Are they going to win? No. <laughs> Florida State falls to 0-5, man. Thank y'all for listening, man. I hope you have a good time. Enjoy your week, and we'll be back next week.